0: Welcome to another episode of Shot Clock Scribbles. Today is Monday, February 5th. I'm recording this around 6 p.m. Pacific Time over here on the West Coast. I am your Sacramento local host and we've got a jam-packed episode for you today. We got a lot of content to go over, a lot of opinions and predictions. We're diving into the weekend's notable NBA games, spotlighting some standout performances that had us on the edge of our seats. But wait, there's more. The three-point contest participants just got announced today on Monday, so you better stick around to hear my predictions on who's going to be taking the crown home. It's going to be a shootout, and I've got my eyes on a certain sharpshooter. More on that later. And speaking of All-Stars, let's revisit some of the other notable announcements that have the basketball world buzzing right now. Everyone's going crazy on Twitter. I think there's a few snubs this year, as there always is, so we'll break those down. We'll also talk about the coaching assignments from both conferences. But wait, there's even more. As we're about 60% into the season, I'll be handing out my 50 in-season awards. Who's the most improved? Who's dominating the courts night in and night out? Stick around for my take on the mid-season accolades. And finally, we'll wrap up today's episode talking about the surging hot Los Angeles Clippers. Who are heating up on their last grammy road trip before they move on to inglewood next season so are they a serious contender or are they just catching a hot streak since early december here so grab your popcorn lace up your sneakers and let's dive into another episode of shot clock scribbles first we're going to talk about the los angeles lakers and the new york Knicks. this was a very close game prime time on saturday night so this one really came down to the Lakers locking down on defense. Coach Darvin Ham and his team want to be a better defensive team, and they've showed that they are more than capable of doing so. And Ham has been criticized this season a lot. As we all know, LA is the bright city of lights, and you're always going to get criticized. And there are people calling for his job. And you know what? We have to give him his credit here, and his coaching staff as well, because. They had a really good game plan for this game here. Two things that really stand out to me is the idea to get the ball out of Jalen Brunson's hands. So they definitely blitzed him several times during the game. And when I say that is they sent over a double team 37 times during this game, I believe. So the mindset was really make somebody else beat us. JB is too amazing of a player. He had 36 points in this game, but still... The whole idea was to get the ball out of his hand and make somebody else beat you. We also saw the Knicks go on a drought the last couple of minutes of the game. They finally got one off of Dante DiVincenzo towards the end of the game there, but it was a little bit too late in the game to really make it run. So well done by coach Darvin Hamm and his staff. And the second thing that definitely stood out in this game was the idea to bring Rui Hachimura into the starting lineup. So. They moved Torian Prince to the bench. And I believe this was a huge critical aspect of this game as well with the switch up in the lineup. They've had about 15 changes in their lineup this year. That's a lot. After the game, I did hear Ham say that they've maybe had about three of them that maybe could work that they actually do like. But that's a lot of starting lineups this year. 15 of those. That's a lot. And another huge critical aspect of this game is the Lakers did not turn over the ball very much at all in Comparison to the turnovers for their season average right now. It's 14.1 turnovers per game the last three games It's been 8.7 and this game they only had five So that really makes a difference as you gotta you gotta take care of the rock You have to take care of the rock if you want to win games and the defensive aspect was very good Of course. Yes the Knicks did not make shots, but that's also because of the defense that the Lakers were playing. I want to talk about Anthony Davis real quick. Anthony Davis missed the last game, and this is the best back-to-back win the Lakers have had this season. And the Lakers go into Boston and basically just hammer them. And that's basically with their reserves. So not a good loss for the Boston Celtics. But going back to AD here is he wasn't really great on offense. I think he had about 10 points in this game, but he showed us why he deserves to be mentioned in the top three of defensive player of the year. Listen, he is a menace in that paint. You think twice about going into the paint when you see Anthony Davis, that is a fact. So when they blitz JB several times during this game, This gives the defenders more confidence that they have a sitting near the hoop who can basically alter their shot, which is a big aspect. There was one play that AD had two blocks from the same possession. I mean, come on. He definitely needs to get more consideration for defensive play of the year. I know we have Rudy in there always getting talked about and some other big guys on that list. Very good game from the Lakers. And for the Knicks, they end their nine-game winning streak as they are sitting fourth- in the east right now. So, Julius Randle, it was announced 4 days ago that he is out with a dislocated shoulder and he is out 2 to 3 weeks. It does help that the All-Star weekend is one of those weeks that would definitely help him ramp up. OG Ananobi did not also play this game and he's also been out. So, the Knicks really playing great basketball got the whole city buzzing there in New York. And real quick, I want to talk about just numbers from this game and some stats leading players in different categories here. LeBron had 24 points. Jalen Brunson, as mentioned, had 36 points. And on the rebound side, Anthony Davis was a monster in the paint. He had 18 rebounds in this game. On the Knicks side, Isaiah Hardenstein had 15 rebounds. Big guy, real good player. I like Isaiah's game. And on the assist side, we had Austin Reeves with seven assists. And then JB had 10 assists. And then for blocks, Anthony Davis. I just talked about it, four blocks in this game. And Isaiah Hartenstein had two blocks for the Knicks there. So those are the leading players in those categories. And in comparison here, the numbers are pretty much similar. The Lakers played very good basketball and they shot the three-point shot at a better clip, 38.7 here which is higher than their season average. I think their season average is around 30% total. So the, both teams did not turn over the ball very much. Lakers 5, 7 to the Knicks here. Those are the numbers that kind of definitely stand out. So let's switch over to talk about Steph Curry. Steph Curry drops a 60-piece in the ATL, but it's not enough. So Steph Curry... Shot the ball at 57.9% from the field and 43.5% from three. I mean, that's just crazy. And that three-point average there that he's had throughout his career is right around 43%. So that's right around his average. But the astonishing thing from this game is he only went to the line six times. I mean, that's just crazy. You don't really hear of a player getting 50, 60, 70 points. And not going to the line very much at all. So he only gets the line six times. And of course, he makes all free throws here. That's very typical from Steph. Typically, you see this from other players. They go to the line at least 19, 20 times, 25 times even sometimes from some of the players. So let's just kind of take a look at Steph's shooting chart here. I do have his chart. A lot of his shots did come. Especially with the three ball came from the left wing on the on the threes And a lot of his twos came from the mid-range on the right-hand side So if I'm taking a look at the whole court on the half side is He makes a lot of mid-range shots on the right side but he did miss a lot of threes on the left-hand side of The court that's typically where you're gonna see Steph. He did get a couple baskets too around the rim Which is amazing. He didn't really shoot corner threes in this game, A lot of the threes that he shot were on top of the arc there, but not really so much on the sides. So pretty impressive game by Steph, but it definitely sucks for them to lose this game. I know they definitely wanted to win it uh, for him, and he had an amazing game. And you know what? The dubs are in trouble. They need to start making some changes because if they keep playing like this, they keep losing games that they're really close, and they need to make some changes. So whether that's flipping... Clay Thompson next year for something, or maybe Chris Paul. Chris Paul hasn't really played too much this year. That was a big excitement coming out of training camp. He hasn't really played. Jonathan Kaminga has made a lot of stride. I think maybe they get rid of Wiggins in the offseason, to be honest with you. He's just regressing. They signed him to a really nice contract, and I think it's just time to offload that onto another team. All right, let's switch gears now to... Oklahoma City Thunder, the number one team in the West, went into double overtime against the Toronto Raptors. So I didn't catch the whole game. I caught the very last bits of this game, and it was pretty exciting to watch, to be honest with you guys. It was an exciting game. They played last night on Sunday, and let's just talk about a quick play that the OKC Thunder coach drew up before going into OT. Amazing call. Great, great coaching from him. He deserves to be mentioned in coach of the year conversations for sure but sga did not really have a great game and they inbounded the ball and they gave the ball to aaron wiggins so they set a pick for aaron wiggins to get the ball and he had an easy layup and they they were trying to double sga and that just didn't happen easy play for the thunder and they're going to overtime and Barrett, he had the chance to win it, actually, in OT, but he ended up missing it at the buzzer there. Another pivotal moment in this game came when SGA hit a three in double OT with around a minute left, I believe. He definitely tied it up. I think it was 118-118. And on the Raptors side, they didn't look particularly confident on offense at all. If you guys see the highlights or see the game, they weren't really confident in the last few minutes of the game. The big spot for them was Emmanuel Quickly, their guard, was their bright spot. He made a lot of tough shots when it really counted. And Barnes missed a shot late too. I think he almost airballed it. Gary Trent Jr. missed the mid-range to win it. NLT, and I just think that we're not really in sync and they don't have a player to be like, OK, last few moments of a game. We're going to get the ball into you and you're going to make us a play. They don't really have that. I know their coach talks about Scotty Barnes being a superstar in the league, but they don't really have that. So Raptors fans, feel free to give me your thoughts on this. You guys watch them a lot more than I do, but just want to get your intake. For the Thunder, I thought they were more hungry in this game towards the end of the stretch. Listen, they were down by 23 points at one time, and this just shows you a lot of resilience. So this team is one of the youngest teams in the NBA, if not the youngest team in the NBA, and on a night that SGA wasn't really the star, their team definitely came in bunches and helped each other out and got this dub, and they're sitting in the first spot in the West, so... I think it's just amazing ball that these guys are playing in Oklahoma City Thunder. Amazing team to watch. I've seen them play twice this season, and a lot is wearing down on what they end up doing these next couple of years. They have a lot of picks. Let's see what they end up doing because they can't keep their core, and they got to do something. So we'll kind of just see how things go with that. In his first game back to Washington, Brad had an amazing performance last night. He went 16 for 21 from the field and four out of five from the three-point line. So that's a pretty efficient game for him. And you know what? These guys are sitting sixth spot in the West right now. They're 29 out of 21 as I record this. On Monday night, and they continue to pick up crucial wins before the All Star break here. So, if we look at his sh- his shot chart, he's very efficient in the mid range game. He doesn't shoot a whole ton of threes. A lot of his shots come around the elbow area, especially near the free throw line. Is definitely where he likes the ball and where he shoots it at a very high clip. And the thing about Brad too is he gets to the to the basket quite a lot. He scored a couple times in the paint when I look at his chart here right in front of me. He didn't shoot a whole ton of shots on the right side. So very similarly to Steph, he's not really shooting on the left-hand side. And a little quick tip for all your listeners out there, especially if you're a right-handed shooter, you typically like to go left. So as I just talked about, Steph Curry shooting most of his shots to the middle or to the left of the half court, it's only typically left-handed shooters that are going to be shooting a lot on the right-hand side. Of the court, so he didn't really shoot a lot of corner threes in this game. But the thing about him is he likes to get to the hoop, and he performed very well for them during this Sunday night. So a very very efficient game for Brad here. All right. Last week we talked about Joel Embiid, and he had an injury when we last spoke, and the 76ers have not recently announced that he'll undergo a unspecified procedure this week to correct the injury to the lateral meniscus in his left knee. So as you guys can remember, last pod, we talked about the whole 65-game participation for in-season awards like MVP, All-NBA, Defensive Player of the Year, all those things. You have to play 65 games out of the year to be mentioned in these honors. So it sucks for him and his team. He's most likely out for one or two months, which is a shame since he was playing the best basketball in his career. I just don't know, man. Like, we haven't really seen his best in the playoffs, really. He's always injured, and he's a big guy. And so, I don't know. A lot of these tall guys have a lot of injuries. I mean, you look at other big guys like AD. He's been injured for a good portion of his career. He's playing a lot of more games this year. But... This is something that's very concerning. I just don't know if we're ever going to see JoJo at his best and get to see his full-on best. So the NBA needs to do something about this policy that, that they recently brought up because you cannot punish a player for literally getting injured like without being their fault. Like I can understand maybe if you go out there and maybe do something to yourself... And you injured yourself, but it's not like you're going out there trying to hurt yourself. So you can't punish players for this. Same thing with Tyrese. We all saw Tyrese do the splits during the game that got him injured. I just think the, the executives need to change something, man. This is not this isn't cool. This is not cool at all. It's not good. We want to see the best product out there. and. It's going to suck if we don't see JoJo at his full-on best. All right, so now we're going to speak about somebody in the women's game. So let's talk about that real quick. All right, so over here at Shot Clock Scribbles, we really advocate for more coverage of the women's game and show love to to the women and the game. And I saw a short interview by Michael Porter Jr. recently that he basically disrespected the women's game. He was sending out subtle jabs there. So... Not a good look, but over here, Shot Clock Scribbles, we're all about women and advocate and support women. So I want to talk about Juju Watkins real quick because she went off last week for a 50 piece. And I want to just give you guys some numbers that she had during this game. So she dropped 51 points and she went 14 for 26 from the field. And 17 out of 19 from the free-throw line and also had in 11 rebounds. This actually marks the most points in USC history. So a lot of notables That I'll be mentioning in just a second here But if we just kind of take a look at the freshman guards numbers of this year She's averaging 27.3 points per game 6.9 rebounds 3.4 assists and is shooting the ball at 43.1% from the field. Pretty amazing stuff from number 12 there down in Soak. It's making me wanting to go to a game pretty damn bad. So let's talk about a couple notables. So with her 51 points that night, she set the USC record for most points scored by a Trojan in a game. And that's just crazy. So Watkins has now tallied seven games this season with 30 points or more and that is the most outings by Trojans since Nelson had eight as a senior in 88 to 89. And also in adding in those 11 rebounds, Watkins recorded her fourth double-double. Juju's 25 first points marked the most she's scored in a half this season. Watkins 51 points is also the most scored by any Division One women's player this season. In fact, she is the first D1 freshman to score 50 points in a game since Delaware's Elena Dodone had 54 back in 2010. I mean, that's just fucking crazy. This girl is going off, and I love it. And you know what? Also, she's the first player in the last 25 seasons, per ESPN stats and info, to score 50 points versus an AP top 10 team there in the Stanford. Cardinals. She's also the first Pac-12 player to score more than 40 points in a regular season. And it doesn't stop there. Two more here. Juju's six three-pointers made that night ties her career high. And lastly here, Watkins' 17 free throws made and 19 attempted. Both were new career highs. So she went off. Juju, if you listen to this, keep going crazy on him. And you're going to have a great career. You have a really good career ahead of you. And just keep on doing what you're doing. And i love to see. And I'm going to keep tabs. And I'll probably show up to a game down there in SoCal. Keep on doing what you're doing. And the future is very bright. All right. Hold your jump shots, folks. Because the three-point contest lineup just dropped today like a game-winning buzzer beater. So stick around as we break down the sharpshooters and make our predictions on who's going to splash their way to victory. Let's go ahead and get into it right now. The three-point contestants have been announced today, and they are Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Beasley, Brunson, and Markinen. So I'll be giving numbers on these folks in just a moment here. But I really want to know who do you guys have to win it all out of all these participants here? I'll give my prediction. I would love to hear you guys' prediction in the comments below. Love to go back and forth if you guys would like. So let's talk about Tyrese Halliburton. He's making 3.2 threes a game at 39.8% from three. Dame time is averaging around three threes made per game and shooting it at 34.7% from three. Beasley. He's averaging around 2.8 threes made per game at 45.1%. So, he's definitely the highest out of all these guys here. Jalen Brunson, 2.7 threes made at 41.3%. Lowry out in Utah, 3.2 makes from the three-point ball at 40.1%. So, pretty good numbers. Honestly, you cannot really go wrong with any of these guys in the three-point contest. But... I have Lowry Markkinen winning the three-point contest. That's right. I have the big man winning it all in this contest. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. These are all pretty damn good shooters. You cannot really go wrong. Previously, I had Jalen Brunson winning it, but I changed my mind and said, all right, Lowry Markkinen, you're going to win this. Bring it home. So I want to know, out of The fans that are listening in the comments who's gonna bring the shiny ball home make sure to chime in i definitely want to hear what you guys have to say now let's rewind the shot clock and revisit some all-star announcements that are still echoing through the basketball cosmos Did your favorite player secure a spot? We're diving into the all-star madness right now. Okay, since we're reporting live from Sacramento, California, De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis did not make the all-star game. That's just crazy. This is getting talked about pretty much all over the city here. We just don't really see why these two did not make it. These guys are playing pretty damn good basketball right now, and... I just don't see how none of these guys made it. Today, actually, the Kings, when I'm recording this, the Kings just lost the Cleveland Clavs. But basically, Domus Sabonis has tied the Joker in triple doubles, and he's just killing it this year. If it has to be one of those two, then you know what? you got to pick Sabonis because he's just absolutely killing it. But to have none of those guys at all go to the All-Star game is just wild. So... If we're talking about team success here, the Kings are sitting in the fifth position here and are 5.5 games back out of the number one spot. And I just don't know how none of these guys made it. It just got announced today that Trey Young just picked up the honors of Eastern Player of the Month of January. And he's also another snub that didn't make it. I didn't have him in my all-star list I'll be quite honest with you, but the way it works, basically, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the league, picks the replacements. Not sure how this is all decided. Maybe it's the next people in line with the voting. Not really sure, because this aspect, honestly, it's not very transparent with with fans here, and unfortunately, we just don't have that information. So, this remains to be seen who's going to replace the two big guys out of the East. So... Porzingis also misses out. As you guys listen to my other pod, I picked Porzingis instead of Jalen Brown to be in the all-star game. Rudy Gobert also did not make it. I think if you had to pick somebody out of the Timberwolves apart from Ant, it's definitely Rudy instead of Cat because he's a rim protector. And when I saw them play here in Sacramento, Cat did not play that game. Rudy played and he's a menace on defense. He's so long, and you don't want to go into the paint whenever you see Rudy because he's very intimidating. He's huge. I know on TV, you guys see him. He's huge in person. I just think you have to maybe pick Rudy if you're going to go with the number two team in the West here. So that's just my two cents. Steph also made it. I did see this. I knew he was going to make it, but I just didn't pick him because his team is absolutely garbage this year, and they're sitting several games back out of the plane right now. And this all-star reserves and starters is always controversial because it's like, all right, these are accolades for players by themselves. But then also, it's also team success as well. So how is it really measured? It's a fine line really on which players to pick. It just could be the most exciting players in the league. Obviously, there's players that pick and then coaches as well as well as the fans. Those are some of the players that got snubbed out of this all-star game. I sweeped pretty well on this. All my predictions were pretty on spot, except for, of course, Jalen Brown and Steph making it and Cat. Other than that, I swept it pretty damn good here, and I'm really proud of myself. Let's switch on gears and talk about head coaches that were recently announced. So actually just today, Monday the 5th, The NBA announced Timberwolves head coach Chris Finch, who coached the Western Conference All-Stars in the 73rd NBA All-Star Game in Indy. So Finch clinched the coaching honor after last night's 111-90 win over the Houston Rockets. Chris Finch is in his fourth season as head coach of the Timberwolves and has guided the Wolves to a 35-15 record this season, tied for the best 50-game start to season in franchise history. The last time, that was 35 wins back in all 3 and 4 back in those KG days. On December 4th, Finch was named the Western Conference Coach of the Month for October and November after leading the Wolves to a 14-4 record to begin this season. It was their first monthly honor of Finch's coaching career, and he became the third Timberwolves head coach to win the award, joining legends Kevin McHale in nine, and Flip Saunders, rest in peace, in four, all three, all one, and in two thousand. So he deserves it, and I'm sure those guys are going to have a lot of fun. Switching gears now to the East Coast, Doc Rivers is going to be the head coach of the Eastern Conference team after just taking charge. Most recently, it's just crazy because he's been calling games on ESPN. And now he's a head coach and he's already going to the all-star game. Kind of crazy how all this is divvied up with coaches. They cannot coach in consecutive years. So Joe Mazula, as mentioned in my last pod, is not eligible to coach this year. And it just comes down to like records and all that stuff. It's very good that Doc Rivers is going to actually give the ring and the bonus to Adrian Griffin, which I want to talk about real quick. Whenever players switch to different teams... For example, let's just talk about Pascal Siakam. If he was an all-star this year, then he'll still be going to the all-star game. But how come coaches don't get that coverage? So I don't know. That's a little iffy there. I know Draymond talked about it too. But I just think it's also a good gesture in what Doc did because he knows that that shit's not fair. Uh, That's fucked up. So that's what I got to say about the all-star game here all right and in the spirit of mid-season madness i'm dishing out my 50 in season awards who's been tearing up the court and earning spots on my list stick around for the virtual trophy ceremony okay let's jump straight into it here like we're jumping into the river in the summertime All right. So who do I have for MVP? Giannis. I got to go with Giannis right now. He's playing crazy lights out. JoJo goes down. So he's no longer going to be eligible for the MVP. The Joker can be on this list. There are several people on this list that are playing amazing basketball. But Giannis, I mean, he just had a 40 piece in Dallas the other day as well. They just lost last night to Utah. But Giannis is my MVP so far. Defensive player of the year, I got to give this one to Rudy Gobert. Most improved, I got to go here with Cam Thomas from the Brooklyn Nets. They're playing the Golden State Warriors right now, but more on him in a minute. Other considerable players on this list, Kobe White has been playing pretty damn good basketball, probably the best in his career for those Chicago Bulls, which actually have the most attendance in the NBA, just came out today. For the last two seasons, they've had the most attendance at their games, so that's pretty cool stuff there. Jonathan Kaminga, JK, also deserves to be on this list. He's been playing good basketball and earning himself a starting spot. Jalen Johnson from the Atlanta Hawks also deserves a mention. I saw him play here in Sacramento, and he probably had one of his worst games in the season, which sucked because he's an amazing player to watch. Young player, a lot of potential, a lot of talent. And the Hawks maybe you need to pay him up down the line here or send him over for some picks he's that good so let's see what happens with Jalen Johnson but I like him from the Atlanta Hawks and you can even add in Tyrese Maxey to this list so with James Harden gone and Joel missing a lot of time this year which they don't do so good with Jojo missing games obviously I think they're like four and five when Jojo misses their games but They're going to miss JoJo big time. He's missed the next one or two months with that injury to the meniscus. Shitty. Absolutely shitty. Rookie of the year. This one has been talked about pretty much all season. It seems like it's like a rivalry between these two guys. But I got to go with Chet Holmgren from the OKC Thunder. They're tied for the number one spot in the West right now. And I'm going to go based on team success. I know last year Chet got hurt. And this is basically his second season, but he's still classified as a rookie. I got to go with Chet on here. Clutch player of the year. For me right now, it would be Steph Curry. So a few pods ago, I broke down the top clutch players of this season. Clutch player of the year is basically the player that is most clutch in the last few moments of a game. So Darren Fox won it last year. That was the very first one that the NBA has given out. It's... Named after Jerry West, who Chick Hearn, Lakers announcer, gave him the nickname of Mr. Clutch because he performed very well in the clutch. So for me, this one's easy. Steph, absolutely nuts. Who do I see that I can give the ball into the last few moments of a game and I have great confidence that he's going to win it for me or has the best chance to win it for me? I'm going to go with Steph. There's a lot of other players on this list. Of course, D. fox Damien Lillard Pascal Siakam, there's a lot of players that you can really choose from and that I mentioned last pod But I got, I got to go with Steph here coach of the year This one is very tough, but it has to go to somebody on the West Coast So you have Chris Finch who I was just talking about a moment ago the OKC Thunder coach and Ty Lue. So it's a toss-up between the top three teams in the West who would I go for on this list? It might surprise you. I will go with Tai Liu on this list only, only, hear me out now, only because his team was like 11th, 12th spot, 10th spot, 9th spot in the West at one time. They were down there, barely playing for a playing spot. And you know what? Tai Liu right now has those boys sitting in, in the third spot in the West. That's the reason why I will give him the nod. Chris Finch has been an incredible coach for the Minnesota Timberwolves as well as the Oklahoma City Thunder coach. Sorry, I don't have his name right in front of me, but I gotta go with Tyloo here. He's got his boys playing very good basketball. Sixth man of the year for me, I have to go with. Malik Monk. So if we're going to go top 10 players that are the six men that are in contention that also have the best rating right now, number one is Russell Westbrook, number two, Tim Hardaway Jr., Malik Monk, number three, Jonathan Kaminga, Isaiah Hardenstein, Bobby Portis, Norman Powell, Emmanuel Quickly, Benedict Matherin, and Bogey out of the Atlanta Hawks. For me, it has to go with Malik Monk. I watched a lot of the games, and for this one, really, you can't go wrong with really any of these guys that are on this list. There's different players that average an array of points. Malik Monk is averaging 14.4 points per game on here. The most is Tim Hardaway Jr. at 18.3, so if you just strictly go off of points per game, you would have to give Tim Hardaway Jr. the nod. But also, Russell Westbrook demoted himself, well actually, who knows? That's what he said to the bench. And he's playing pretty good basketball. And those guys are sitting in the third spot right now. Jonathan Kaminga is also on that list. The Congo man in the fourth spot, 15.1 points per game, 4.6 rebounds. Another person, Bogdan Bogdanovich out of ATL. He is averaging 17.3 points per game. 3.1 rebounds and 2.7 assists. Can't go really wrong with anybody on this list, but those guys are on the top of the list. If I just give you guys a couple of other names on this list, Nas Reed, Jaime Hawkins Jr., Karis LeVert, Andre Drummond, Jordan Clarkson, Cole Anthony, Reggie Jackson, Duncan Robinson, Aaron Naismith, and Wagner out of the Orlando Magic. That's that list, but for me, Like I said, I have to go with Malik Monk because I think he performs the best for his team because you know what? He is the leader of the second unit. And I might be biased here because I watch a lot of Kings games and I just think that he is the most impactful player and really helps the Sacramento Kings second unit into what they are. So him and Trey Laos really help out that unit. So that's my two cents on that. And those are my awards that go out to who I think should get them. But last second here, I did talk about Cam Thomas, a lot of players on that list, but Cam has averaged 12.4 points per game. And that's in the 163 regular season games total. His last five games, he's averaging 34.2 minutes per game and having 30.4 points per game. He has elevated his game this season, and if we're just talking about this season compared to his regular season numbers here, is he typically averages 12.4, as I just mentioned. This year he's averaging 21.7 points per game, so he is averaging a lot more points per game. He is also shooting the three-point ball at 36.3%, so that's who I picked to win it, and I just think he's a hooper, man, and he deserves that spot for most improved. That's my list there. But we're not done yet. We're saving the best for last as we lace up our sneakers and hit the court to discuss the red hot Los Angeles Clippers. They're on fire during their last Grammy road trip. Find out if they're burning bright or just catching a spark before they hit Inglewood next season. All right, so these Clippers are 25 and five and they got the best record in the NBA since December 1st so Ty Lue and those boys in LA playing some real good basketball and they're sitting first in the Pacific Division and third in the West as it stands right now they just beat the Atlanta Hawks tonight on the fifth here so they're racking up a lot of good wins as well before the all-star week coming up soon here so the last couple games here they recently beat the hawks as mentioned they beat the heat on sunday 103 to 95 the the Pistons before that 136 to 125 washington 125 to 109 their last loss comes on the 29th of january to the cleveland cavaliers 108 to 118 that's what their last few games have looked like but these guys are only one game back Of the first spot here and they are screaming for that top spot in the West let's talk about their rating defensive rating and overall rating when I talk about these stats here is typically you want to be in the top 10 for defensive rating and offensive rating if you're gonna be a championship winning or contending team you got to be in the top 10 so their offensive rating right now is fourth in the NBA at 120.7 And their defensive rating is 114.1. So what does that mean is they score 120.7 points and they get scored on 114.1 points per game. Their net efficiency rating here is their third at 6.6. And they're also the number one team in the NBA for three-point percentages. So they're making the three ball at almost 40%. 395 to be 100% exact here. These guys can win the NBA championship. And like I've said before, this is a big season for Tyloo because I think if the Clippers do not win it all, then they fire him. They obviously still keep their core in Kawhi. He just signed that extension. They keep James Harden. PG is still pretty damn young. You keep him and just basically surround those guys with role players. So they're sitting third spot here, the Nuggets and the Kings right behind them. We talked about the three-point percentage, their first field goal percentage, their fifth, so they are making a good amount of their shots. They're essentially making almost half of their shots as it is. They're fifth in steals, and that's a pretty good number, which means they're playing pretty good defense on teams here. These guys are a good defensive team and offensive team, and you know what, Kawhi looks very good When I saw him this year, he looked very amazing. Like, honestly, like I saw him go down for a flush with the left hand. I was just like, whoa, that was vicious. And oh, my God, like, dude, this guy's back. Like, remember that Kawhi from the Spurs days and, you know, the Toronto days before all these injuries started to happen with him? Like, yeah, dude, he's fucking back. And he's been lights out for this team. And the big thing with the Clippers recently, if you guys watch their games, poor George and Kawhi get doubled quite a lot and they're making the right reads and getting to the ball to the right people at the right time. So that's something that you guys need to watch for when you watch their games is when those guys get doubled up, they're making the right plays when it really counts. Let's continue to see how these guys do for the rest of the season, because right now they're playing pretty damn good ball. But, hey, anything could change in the association. Let's just hope that they don't get any crazy injuries here and keep on playing some good ball. I think they have a good core, and they have a good supporting cast. You got a lot of guys that can play some good defense. The big thing is going to be stopping those Denver Nuggets with the Joker. We did see Zoo play some pretty good defense on the Joker. I think that was Joker's worst game this season. And let's see how things go with this potential matchup. These guys might honestly go to the Western Conference Finals this year. They got Mason Plumlee this season. He's gotten injured a little bit and he's been playing in the G League to ramp up, but he's back with the Clippers. And Bones Island is somebody that I think they have Bonesy out there in the market to see who wants to take him. offload his contract to another team. P.J. Tucker hasn't even really played for them at all. This season, I think they're looking to get rid of him. They added the big guy, Daniel Athias, the German FIBA World Cup champion to this team, which I think has definitely helped them out since they shipped out Batum to the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, so that's all I have for today's Shot Clock Scribbles podcast. I'll catch you guys on the rebound. I appreciate you guys listening in. Make sure to subscribe, throw some comments about the pod in the comment section, don't forget to rate this show. Give me those five stars. And whenever you guys are done listening, tell a friend about it, refer me, share it with them. And until then, catch you on the rebound on the next one. Cheers.